Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Well, it's Happy Father's Day, and I want to talk to you today out of a powerful portion of Scripture in 2 Samuel in just a moment. But you know what? I am a proud dad of three amazing kids. I am so thankful for their life, and I love them, and are so thankful for their hearts. They love the Lord. Chris and I are so proud, uh, proud of them and all that they do and what they mean to us. You know, it's kind of natural in the heart of a man to protect our families, right, men? It is, and so really, I hope as you understand this message today, yeah, you're going to hear a lot of directives towards men and fathers here, but women, this is for you as well, and you have something to get from this. You know, God, though, has just kind of wired us, hot-wired us to protect our families. He really has, and so not only to protect them, but to provide for them, and we want our children to have the very best. Isn't that true? We really do. And so every man's desire is that when, what he's achieved in life um, is just a starting point for each of their children. Just a starting point. You know, that we want our ceilings to be our children's floors, if you will, where they start from there and they just continue to go up and higher and higher and higher. We want the best for our kids and we want to fight for the best for our kids. And Men and women, I want to remind us today that we are in a real battle for the minds and the hearts and the souls of our families because we are under attack. That is so true. We have a battle raging in our world and nation uh, amongst the many reasons, but social media, it's no longer limited to our borders. It's a global challenge that our kids are now immersed in, a global challenge of our thoughts and our ideas and, and our moral standards. And, and, and we need men and women of courage that stand and fight and defend the truth. And so one man, one person with conviction and courage can make an incredible difference. There's a man in American history that made such a difference, and most of us are maybe not familiar with this man, but we're familiar with the circumstances that this man found himself in. If you go back with me, the day is July 2nd, the year is 1863, the place is Gettysburg. The battle had already been raging for two and a half days in Gettysburg in the Civil War, and the Confederate armies were making major advances into the Union troops. And there was one choir leader, a guy, a college professor, you know, really kind of not your typical warrior guy, who felt the call to go and fight for the cause of the Union. And he found himself in a position where he was given the command to go take the regiment of what was called the 20th Maine and go and defend a flank of Union Army called the Battle at Little Round Top. And there he took his regiment and he positioned himself, and they were under massive attack an advancement by the Confederate forces all day long. Over half of his men were dead or wounded, and now they're at a point where they're running against the Alabama mission. And his brother comes to him, who's a young lieutenant in the regiment, and he says, Joshua, we can no longer defend our position because we're out of ammunition. We, we're going to be decimated by this attack. We can no longer have strength to fight. So we've got to retreat, and we've got to regroup immediately. Joshua Chamberlain, lieutenant of the 20th Maine, he made a bold declaration. He said, we will not retreat from our position. We will defend our position with our lives. Then strangely, he said to his men, men, fix your bayonets. And they fixed their 
bayonets, and he drew his sword and gave the craziest command of all, which was charge. And he took his ragtag regiment and charged downhill into two full regiments from Alabama who were equipped to lead the charge up the hill, and he charged down the hill at them. And when the Confederates saw him coming down the hill, they thought reinforcements have now arrived, and uh, this has got to be a new regiment. So what did they do? Well, they retreated. Do you know that day that he took over 300 prisoners and stood guard over them with no ammunition in their guns? And that act of courage became the turning point in the Battle of Gettysburg. The victory at Gettysburg for the Union forces became the turning point in the entire Civil War. And you point back to that, you can see that that was the main turning point that took place in the battle. That there was one man with courage and conviction who would not compromise his position, but it made all the difference in the world. Listen, when you and I stand and defend the truth, the integrity of God's word in our lives and the lives of our families, we are defending the very core that is going to give them a life that is fulfilled and promised by God. That is the intention of God that he wants to give them. Jesus came that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy, we understand, has come to kill us and to rob from us and to destroy us, right? And take everything from us that God has promised to us. Everything of value that God has intended, the enemy is robbing and wants to rob. And the enemy has a primary tool to accomplish his mission, and that tool is called deception. He will subtly come in and try to weed deception even among the fabric of truth, just enough to get you and I off our path, the path that God has ordained for you and for me and for our children. Our children are under bombardment every day, and it's not new. It's something that goes back to the first century. The apostle Paul was so concerned about the early church because he went and he proclaimed the truth of Christ to them and to those around them in their culture. That culture had pagan ideas and beliefs, and they would try to bring those pagan ideas into the church and integrate them in among the church. It affected how people were thinking, which impacted how they were acting. And Paul was so torn up about this that he challenged, as he fathered young Timothy, in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, where it says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of that eternal life to which you were called. What, what does this mean? This means growing in the knowledge of God. Since John 17, verse 3 says, this is eternal life. What is, what is it? That you may know the only true God, the one you have sent, which is Jesus Christ. Fighting the good fight of faith was meaning do not compromise the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ or compromise the truth. You've got to be a defender of the truth. You've got to speak truth. You've got to declare truth to those people that are around you. He told the church in Corinth, he told the church in Greece, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, and be courageous and be strong. Paul knew that they were under attack. He knew that those things were coming in to deceive them, to try to erode everything away from them. When we are vulnerable to deception, we are then vulnerable to captivity. 
I'm going to say that again. When you and I are vulnerable to deception, we are vulnerable to captivity. And we see this at work in our culture that comes to continue to erode it. And so the deception of the enemy comes in. And if we believe that, then we are vulnerable to the captivity of the enemy. In America today, we are under such attack. And so we have so many different crises that is going on that we are dealing with every day. And and we've got to go back to the fundamentals. Why is there so much dysfunction? God did not come to bring us a life of dysfunction. Amen? We all have dysfunction, but God's never called us to continue to live in dysfunction and count it as norm. He's called us to live a life that is abundantly fruitful in him. And the enemy's ploy is always to try to hold us in captivity, always to keep us in dysfunction. But Jesus came to lead us into the path of righteousness and lead us into new life. We have such an identity crisis going on because we don't know who we are. Lord, help us. We are letting the culture drive conversations with our children. We can't let the culture drive those conversations, friends. We must drive those conversations built on the word of God, the word of truth. God is looking for men and women who will stand and defend the truth in this day. We are all well aware of the story of David and Goliath. David went out and defeated the Goliath and and rallied the whole nation then around him. What many of us maybe don't know is that there was a lot of men that were gathered around David to help him. They were drawn to David because of his courage. And the Bible talks about 300 of them known as David's mighty men. They, they went to battle with David Even when he was considered an outlaw from from King Saul, they were with David in the wilderness. They were with him when he became king. And Samuel talks about them in in this book, 2 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, go there with me. 2 Samuel chapter 23. And he mentions one of them that I want to point out today. And his name is Shammah. And the reason I'm picking Shama is because I can actually pronounce his name. There's a lot of guys in there that I cannot pronounce their name because they're so long. But uh, this is an amazing story. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 11. As he's going through this list of mighty men, he's what he said. Next to him was Shama, son of Agi, the Herite. And when the Philistines banded together at a place, there was a field full of lentils. Israel's troops fled from them. The Philistines, we understand, were an army to Israel. They are a warring people, very advanced in their weaponry, and their strategy was simple. Wait till harvest time, and their strategy was very simple. Wait till harvest time, and then we're going to go in and take the harvest from them, and then we're going to burn their fields, and then we're going to take them captive, and eventually we will defeat them, and we will take their power away from them, and we will eventually take their land. Who gave the land to the Israelites? It was God. God gave the land to the Israelites, but the enemy is always trying to take away what God has given to us. God's inheritance was the land. They were trying to steal the inheritance. Is that still continuing today? Yes, it is. You know something? There's an enemy out there that is so real, and he's trying to steal the inheritance from our children. He's trying to steal truth and life and all that God has in store for us. But look at verse 12. It says, but Shammah. 
Turn to the person next to you and say, but Shama. But Shama. We need some Shamas is what I'm saying. But Shama. And, and here's the exception. They all ran in that moment. But Shama took his stand in the middle of the field. That could have been his family's, family's field. We're not sure. But see, listen, if you don't have a stake in something, it's pretty easy to run. Are you with me? But, but if you have a stake in something, you're going to say, hey, wait a minute. That's the turf that God has given to me. That's the plot of land that God's intended for me. But not only for you, but for your family. And I'm in covenant with God, and I'm not going to compromise or give up what God's provided for me. I'm going to fight for this. And it's in that moment, Shama took a stand for what was right and what was his in God. Shama took his stand in the middle of the field and he defended it and he struck down the Philistines. And the Lord brought a great victory, the Bible says. There's a lot of action and adventure in the Bible. How many of you know that? Just keep reading the Bible. There's a lot of action and a lot of adventure throughout God's word. I just pray that you continue to read it because there's such amazing things that took place. These guys inside of there in the Old Testament, if you mess with them, they messed with you. Now, that's back before, before turn the other cheek. That's, 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 this is before the New Testament ever arrived, right? But, but if you mess with them, they mess with you. And the Lord brought about a great victory. And when he finds men and women that will stand for what is right, God will be there with you when you stand. When you stand for truth, when you stand for what's right, God is standing with you. Because you are never alone when you're doing what God has called you to do. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 about a prophet named Elisha. And they had enemies to the north, Aram or Syria today. And they were raiding northern, the northern part of Israel. And the Philistines were coming from the west. And the old prophet was so close to God that in his prayer time, God would reveal to him the plans of the enemy. I believe that today, men and women of God, the closer we get to him, we can hear the plans of the enemy that the enemy is trying to bring against him and us. Amen? So he would tell the king of Israel, and the king of Israel would lie in wait and ambush them. So the king of Aram is going, what is going on here? And it's the old prophet, let's go kill him. They took their army, they surrounded the city, and this is such a great story. His servant gets up in the morning and kind of pulls back the shades, and the prophet's getting up, and the servant's going, my master... My master, we are surrounded by a vast army of them that are coming against us, and they have come to destroy us. He's in panic mode. How many of you know people that are constantly in panic mode, right? Don't point at them. Don't raise your hand, but you know who they are. But some people operate this way all the time. They're in constant panic mode, right? The prophet Elisha goes, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And he looked and he saw surrounding the armies of the enemy were the armies of the Lord. And these massive armies of the Lord and the angels of God and the chariots of fire. And suddenly he makes this profound statement in 2 Kings. Greater are those that are with us than those against us. Wow. Can, can we just say that together? Greater are those that are with us than those that are against us. 
Open their eyes. Open their eyes. What a revelation. Sometimes when you're in a real battle, you get into the word of revelation that is, that is greater, that is greater that you see than what is going on around us and what's coming against us. That if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? Who can really mess with us? Because we are on God's side. Don't worry about the numbers out there. And we get so caught up on what we can see. Wow, we only look like we only have a few people out here. Well, that's what you can see. Not what you can't see. That there are warring angels on your behalf. The cherubim weren't cute little chubby things. These were warring huge angels that are surrounding us in the battle and are surrounding the enemy. You are never alone when you are with God. Amen? You are never alone. And I think the church needs to get a revelation at these days because a lot of the church is afraid. We're living in fear. God's never called us to live in fear. Don't live in fear in your homes and your families in this city that we live in, this nation that he has given to us. God is raising up men and women ready for the battle in these days. You and I need to come and stand our ground. The prophet was standing where God was standing, so he had confidence. Listen, when you are standing where God is standing, it is in that moment you can have confidence. It's there that you get courage and you get encouraged. And God will take care of his people. The fact of the matter is God is ready. He's looking for you and me to stand up. He's looking for you and me, fully committed to him and his mission and his cause. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 19 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I don't know about you, but listen, I need men and women of this church to begin to stand up and begin to do great things for the kingdom of God. Things are happening right now that are, are incredibly difficult in our country, in our nation, in our city, and in our government. But listen, men and women of God, we need you to come and we need you to take your place. We, we need men of God in, in this church. I'm, I want to challenge the men in this church to begin to take a step forward. Men, where are you? God has put a spirit of a warrior inside of your spirit. You have the DNA of the Father. And it's time for you to come and it's time for you to stand. I need mighty men of God in this church. I need men of God that are willing to say, you know what, I know I have my priority, but God, your priority is greater. Because there's a battle to be fought, and there's a battle to be won, and we're standing where God is standing. We have courage. There's a couple of keys to be ready to fight the good fight of faith and be ready to stand to defend the truth. Key number one, we have to build ourselves up for battle. How many of you know that? You have to get ready for the battle, right? We've got to be strong. We've got to be able to defend the ground that God has given to us, the ground of our families, this area, the ground of our, our nation. God has given it to us to defend. Every day we have to be equipped for the battle. Ephesians 6 is one of the greatest equipping chapters in the Bible. You know, finally be strong in the Lord and the power of, is it my might? No. That's probably why we operate in fear many times. That I wake up in the morning, be strong, what? In my might? No, no, it's not about our might. It's about getting up and prepare ourselves for battle. But, but his might, his mighty power to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
that our security and purpose come from putting on the armor every day, in every way prepared for battle. And every time you pick up the sword, you are stronger and wiser, and I am better equipped to do that. There is strength for us in God's word. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. How many of you grew up knowing that one? All right, the rest of you, that's your homework for the week. I want you to go check that, and you need to learn that song and teach it to your kids, right? The Bible, right? The Bible. The word will help you love your wife, men. Raise your children and teach you how to be a successful business person. Help you know the truth, live out the truth, and model that truth. You know what I love about David's mighty men? They were with him all the way to the end. And one of the most powerful portions of Scripture later on beyond this story is that Scripture says that the mighty men of David held their physical sword in their hands so strong that the Bible says that their sword became as one with their hand. They were not going to let go of the truth that God gave them. It was a part of everything that they were and everything that they did. We need men and women of God that have the truth of God's word so attached to them that it has become one. And it's not something different than who we proclaim. I just want to ask you today, who and what is shaping your thinking and and who and what is really shaping your decision making? And is there anything in our life today that is out of alignment with his word? And so we need to come in alignment with who God says we are. God wants us to get back to a life that's filled with joy and that's fulfilling and and that there is pleasure. But how many know that God's word was not given to restrict us but to bless us? Amen? That's God's word. God's word was never given to us to restrict us. It was given to us to bless us. See, See to it. This is what Colossians says, see to it that no one takes you captive. How? Through hollow and deceptive philosophies. I don't know hollow and deceptive philosophies with just my simple puny mind. I know it because the sword has become one with me and I'm able to find those hollow and deceptive thoughts and philosophies that are out there that try to come against me because the word is in me. Don't let it take you captive. Because the philosophies of this world are hollow and deceptive. Listen, if we don't win the internal battle, we will not win the external battle with our children. Amen? If we don't win the internal battle that is going on inside, this is for men and women in the house or wherever you're at today, we have to win that internal battle. Most of the time, you and I don't, are not really fighting Satan every single day and things. It's really most of the time what we've done to ourselves. And what we've believed. Here's the second key. You've got to build a hedge of protection around your family. A hedge is there to keep out unwanted dangers. You know, the enemy is going after our young. I hope you get that and hope you understand that when me saying that. Because so this is just serious business. And I know not everybody can handle this word today. Because it is serious business and many don't want to believe the truth. But this is serious business. A hedge is to keep unwanted dangers out. So how do we do that? It's protection through prayer first. We need more men and women praying over our families than ever before. Ever before. 
Listen, men, I know our wives are more spiritual. I know that. Most men in here, yeah. And if you don't know that, I just gave you a word of revelation just now. So, But that does not negate the responsibility that I am to pray over my family. Kristen and I pray over our children every single day, even while they were young. We prayed over them when we were younger. We laid hands upon them. We still pray over them today. I prayed many times, and I know Kristen did as well, prayed outside of the doors of our children's rooms at night, praying for them, praying for protection upon them, praying for direction upon them and guidance. And the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man, woman, is powerful and effective, James says. So continue to pray over your children. Lay hands upon them. That's your first small group. Pray God's hand upon their minds and their hearts of the deception that is going on out there. I, are you getting this today? I don't know. This first, you're a, little, you're a little quiet for me. Okay? And it does make me a little nervous sometimes. Sometimes, Well, we're just listening. Well, some of you look like you're half cocked and sleeping. <laughs> Love you. Also, we got to teach our children the truth. We have to use life situations to use decision-making moments. Get that instilled in them so that you can help them make wise decisions. Parents, you will not be with them forever, but your words will. God's word will. You know how many times in my life I've looked back and I'm reminded of what my dad and my mom have said to me? I mean, have you done that? Like you're in a certain scenario and you can hear them. You're like, oh, yeah, I re- I'm reminded of that. Teach your children the truth so their mind is sharp and not dulled by the culture. Some just keep falling in the same pits. Like I said a moment ago, uh, the reason why many times we're in the position we're in is because of the wrong choices we made. Some keep falling in the same pits over and over and over again. Hey, you know what I'm say? Hey, turn the light on. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Come on, if you keep falling in the same pit, turn the light on. Help your children to turn the light on. Well, Mom and Dad, I don't know why I keep doing this. I keep making bad decisions. Help them. It's not a time to beat them down, right? It's a time to help them. Stand upon God's word and see the light of his word. Also, we've got to surround our families with other families of God. And I I can't tell you how important this is right now. I can't tell you how important this is. We found out a lot about people in this last year. It's been a difficult year. I'm sad to say much of it is church has been a give or take for many people. Eh, comes in when I need him. Rather than understanding God's word and seeing, you know what? When I come, I bring my wife and I bring my children to church, that I am helping them connect into the community of believers because they need encouragement. I don't know if I really need encouragement. Well, what about your family? What about your wife? What about your children? 
What about your children's children? It's not just about you. This has everything to do with generations, man. This church is about a generational church, generations ahead. It it can't be just for us. Chris and I have always had our family with other families of God, serving. Our kids have served alongside of us. We love that. There are people in this church, you're serving with your families. We thank you for doing that. We honor you for doing that. Just coming together and serving, serving together. Your children are getting something from it even when they don't think they're getting anything from it. Unbelievable. I don't know if they're really getting anything. Really? It's God's Spirit. God's Spirit's at work. Not just what we see, flesh and blood, we can hold and touch and shake hands with. It's the Spirit of God that's moving, that's drawing. We want our families to be surrounded by like-minded people, people of faith, people of encouragement that we all need. Here's what I'm saying. This is a key. Teach your children to live by principle, not by pressure. See, we got too much pressure going on, so we give in to pressure. But when we teach principles to our kids, the principles of what? God's word. Then our kids begin to learn to live their life out of a principle, even when the pressure comes against them. They got to know the principles of God's word because the pressure is massive. It's massive. Let's love our kids enough to tell them and teach them the principles of God's word. Even when they mess up, love them. The Apostle Paul is awaiting his death in Rome. He writes his final letter. He writes it to Timothy, his son, in the gospel because he's passing the baton on to him to take up the mission that God had called him on. And he says this, son... I fought a good fight. I finished my race. I kept the faith. I want those words to be my words. I want those words to be your words. Now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, but not only for me, but all for all those who believe that have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this because one of the last names that the prophet calls God is Yahweh Shammah. What does that mean? God is there. God is my redeemer. The promise and the pledge that God is completing his work. Yahweh Shammah. As you come and you defend the territory and the land and the property that God has called you to defend, he is there. He is there. And you never have to wonder if he is. He is present to complete the work that he's called you to complete. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every man and woman in this place and the sound of my voice today. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you led the way for us. And you defeated the territory of sin and death in the grave. So that, Lord, we are alive today, able to live for you, Lord, able to stand upon your word, and able today to be built up for the battle. Lord, to be built up 
Lord, as your word says in Ephesians 6, in the power of your might, Lord, I pray that we would build a hedge of protection in prayer, that we would not be afraid to pray for our families, even to huddle them together, hold hands, touch their shoulders, and pray over them for truth. God, truth, Lord Jesus, in the innermost part of our being, but Lord, truth that would be spoken and lived out so that they would see it and they would live by it in that, Lord, that we would continue to surround our families with other families of God. Lord, we do not want to be deceived or be held captive. So, Lord, we break every lie of the enemy today with the sword of the Spirit. And we come against every thought pattern that puts itself up against the mind of Christ. Everything, Lord, even the things we think we should be doing, but you have never called us to do. Lord, help us to be men and women of God to do your work and your will in these days. Father, I bless you. And Lord, help us to teach our children principles so that when the pressure comes, they will stand upon your word that is settled in heaven. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, and amen, and amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.